Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue Podcast. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and I have Jeremy and Anna at the table with me tonight. Hey, guys. Hi. Yes, we have a lot going on in the life of Doxa Church, especially in the life of Anna and Jeremy. Oh. Y- y'all want to fill us in a little bit on, on, on the happenings? Oh, man. Well, this week we're... Both families are moving. Yeah. Yes. My husband so. and I closed on a house today. And, and we're moving in with them. Yes. <laughs> Love it. It's a big, happy family over there. <laughs> yeah. I know. So That's so, so cool. But yeah, it was just an answer to so many prayers. And it just it just worked out, at least perfectly on our end. Yeah. They're probably like oh, two kids in the house extra. It's just, no, yeah. it's great. Our kids, We I have a little boy too, so our kids get along really well. Yeah. So good. I mean, you got a dividing wall there. It's like a nice, friendly dividing wall. Right. I stopped at Target today and got all the little, like, um, toddler, like, safety locks. So, so Hudson can't get on the other side or outside. Right, right. Well, I know. We're excited for for both of you. And I know, like, our life is going to help. And yeah. the Bowling Springs Life Group's gonna help. It's gonna be sweet, it's gonna be a great day. It's be like a big church service project. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, that's really cool. Praise God for that. Uh, just yeah, a lot of great things going on. My favorite video game, Destiny, came out with with their new expansion. Oh, did they? Like, yeah, that's right. So it's been My a big week for you too. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys been playing? We you can't yet. We can't yet because oh. he doesn't have the PS4. But oh, that's that's yeah. happening eventually. We're gonna get that together. He's been yeah. playing a lot of Destiny too. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, we are here to talk through another Doxa Dialogue topic, and every time we have a podcast, we are looking at how we can live life on mission for the glory of God. How can we do that practically, and how can we how can we talk through that together, help each other in that respect? And today's topic is going to be on a subject that is very prevalent, and it's anxiety. And so preparing for this uh, this episode, I did struggle with it. And I wasn't anxious about, you know, yeah. <laughs> having this episode. Uh, but I, I definitely don't know what it's like to be anxious. Yeah. As, and like that's not even a prideful thing. I, I think part of it has to do with me for twenty the past 29 years of my life just being disconnected from my own emotions. Mm-hmm. Which, praise God that... He's really been working on me, you know, these past even really more so few months, but this past year of yeah. you know, really understanding emotions and, and how to respond. So God is doing amazing and weird things right now. Right uh, but anxiety is never really something that you yeah. have experienced. I actually had to ask Anna yesterday <laughs> what anxiety even is. Yeah, it was a weird conversation. Right. <laughs> I actually... Uh, it like really blew my mind that you didn't struggle with anxiety because from my, yeah. like, I just assume that everybody deals with it because yeah. I deal with it on a daily basis. So yeah. I was, mm-hmm. it, it was hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually, I found a, a definition that I thought was at least a little helpful. And right. I want my posture to be just really having a conversation of understanding anxiety because I, I think there are still people out there who like on my end get frustrated with people who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who are anxious. And so like really coming from a perspective of understanding, uh, I think will be really helpful to set up your guys's postures. But this is the definition I found. So Anna, I mean, feel free to speak into it. 
but mm-hmm. it said uh, it, it seems to be an intense desire for something accompanied by a fear of the consequences of not receiving it. Hmm. I don't, I, once again, mm. this is, this is coming from an unknown perspective. Yeah. Um, but at least it, it, it kind of included me into a little bit of it's a very it nuanced seems thing. like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be oversimplifying it, which I complete because it's anxiety is not a simple thing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's a lot of facets to it for sure. And that's definitely going to play a part. Like I think people can have anxiety from things from the past. Yeah. Things that are like they're dealing with right now in the, in the present. And then also sometimes people have anxiety over just the unknowns in the future. Right. As well. So in my studies, I actually looked at the apostle Paul. Yeah. In this, and a, a lot of times we look at him as you know just very firm and and solid that we don't look at the emotional side mm-hmm. of Paul. But I actually came across a, a few verses. One of them was in Second Corinthians eleven two through three, and from what it looks like, fear is associated with anxiety a lot. Mm-hmm. In Second Corinthians eleven two three, Paul says, "I feel divine jealousy for you." For I betrothed you to Christ to present you as a pure bride to her one husband. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So here we see the emotional side that, you know, he he's setting mm. up the gospel for him. But there's fear. And I, also, you, you could say anxiety that Satan is going to come and take all of that work away. Mm. Uh, he actually writes again in First Thessalonians three five. He said, "When I could bear it no longer, I sent that I might know your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and hmm. that our labor would be in vain." So it looks like hmm. we see a lot in his ministry that this fear that all this work that they're doing is going to be in vain, and that Satan's going to come creeping back into mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. But it also poses the question: Is this like is this good anxiety? Like, is this is there such thing as righteous anxiety? Or because hmm. I grew up being taught that being anxious is also sinning, and you know it, it takes away the emotion side. It takes away you know those who it might be a, a medical issue, and you know there, there's it, it, I think sometimes it oversimplifies it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So all these questions are coming to my head, like. What is good fear? You know, there's the fear of the Lord. And, mm-hmm. you know, is this anxiety that Paul is dealing with, is it good for him to fear this or is it him not trusting in Jesus? You know, yeah. so it just brought me through a huge broad spectrum of, you know, looking at spiritual anxiety and emotional anxiety and just so many facets of it. But I, I do want to compare his anxiety to essentially God's emotion when he looks at the same topic of not necessarily fear, but I would say concern for his people falling to into the hands of, of Satan. And I, I think if we get a, a good comparison, we can see what we can give up to God as far as our, our spiritual anxiety. Once again, there's there's so many facets that yeah. I don't feel I'm qualified to speak into, but at least in, in this aspect, we can see in, in a biblical perspective that Paul's fear was because there was an unknown factor at play. Mm-hmm. And Paul's fear was not 
allowing God to work and not allowing God and rejoicing in whatever uh, the outcome might be. It's almost like his fear was in in one sense, like, Hey, he's fearful. These things are going to happen. And right. it's like, he's putting his, his focus on the problems that man would create exactly rather than putting his faith in God, trusting that God is going to do his work. Yeah. So almost that makes sense. Like he's more focusing on the weakness of man rather than the strength of yeah. God in that. Yeah. And I think as far as spiritual anxiety, we might focus on, you know, either outside or our own weaknesses rather than the strength of God in that regard that, that Paul was sinning as far as not trusting God with the outcome. Uh, and then once again, we look at God's perspective on it and it's not as much of a fear, but a concern. And mm-hmm. it's not because God doesn't know the outcome, but because he knows the consequence of what would happen if man falls into temptation and falls into sin. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes from a, it comes from a concern of not, not trusting because it is God, like he's a control Mm-hmm. But it comes from a concern of of love because his desire is for us to be fully satisfied in him. There's also on the side of it of rejoicing in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is in control. And yes, like there are consequences to to man falling this in. There are consequences to our weakness. Yeah. But those consequences are in, are nothing compared to the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that it was sinful for Paul to express uh, the fear uh, in a? I mean, it's kind of more of a warning to the church. Yeah, I mean, no, in, that in part. Way, like, no, I, I don't think. I think any level of untrust of God would be sinful, as hard as that is to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's sinful in the way that he presented it mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, yeah. our, I mean, even, even for us personally, our weaknesses bring glory to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious that he worked through this. I think yeah. if anything, it's him being transparent right? about like, Hey, these yeah. are the things I'm dealing with. I mean, we see him in Romans seven saying like, I wish I wouldn't do this. And I, I, I'm doing, I'm falling right. into the things that I don't want to do over and over again. And yeah. I, I hate this about like the way I am. Like, right. So he was, he was a real human being just like all of us. Yeah. So we can't put him on this pedestal. I mean, I know he did way more than anyone have <laughs> ever done <laughs> too at the same time. One of the greatest we, evangelists. So. Yeah, absolutely. But he was also human. Like we yeah. can't, we can't forget right. that. No, I, and so. I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, not to take these passages out of context, like we right. see him working through these things. We yeah. do see, right. you know, we, we see him using his weakness to point to people what it looks mm-hmm. like to follow Jesus righteously and, mm-hmm. you know, using his own ability to really set the stage for Jesus Christ. Right. Um, isn't it? So yeah, using his, his sin, not as a means of, you know, being woe is me, but as a means of showing the strength and glory of Jesus Christ. Right. And I mean, one thought I had when you were talking about this, it's a great, it's a great way to open it up to kind of just like, let's put this topic on the table, mm. acknowledge that, we don't fully understand all the ins and outs about it because it's coming from a lot of different angles from a lot of different people and different perspectives. Right. Peter talks about it too in, in first Peter five, seven. And he says, casting all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. 
So what Peter says to do with that anxiety that you're facing is to literally just take it to God Mm -hmm. and cast it Mm -hmm. onto him. Yeah, for Um, sure. Pray to him, talk to him about it. So that that implies like, yeah, this isn't something I need to just be fine with. I don't need to just be okay with this. And And I mean, I think anybody who's really in anxiety knows like there's something off about this. This isn't right. And if I, if I can, I'm sorry to, if I I can clarify from, from what I, from what I'm reading and understanding, I don't personally believe the anxiety itself is the sin. I think it's how we respond to it. Mm -hmm. uh, When, when we don't trust it, what, Mm -hmm. what it looks like is anxiety is not being faithless. It's just, you know, as a, as a Christian, we have attacks against our faith. Sure. So. I would absolutely agree with so that. So looking yeah. at that, it's it, the anxiety yeah. itself, just like the temptation is not the sin. It's just how we respond to it. So yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to clarify that because there, there's no shame in Jesus Christ. Right. And that we just want to be aware that, you know, those who are dealing with anxiety, it's not the anxiety itself. It's how we respond and what we do with the anxiety. So whether you allow it to dictate your life or you give that anxiety Mm-hmm. to Christ. Yeah, the conversation that Jeremy and I had the other day really um, I, it was fascinating to me um, because, like I said earlier, I've, uh, I just kind of assume that people deal with anxiety, that it's a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, so to meet somebody who rarely experiences it and to actually like have that conversation was really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, for me, it's easy to think that everyone around, um, just experiences life the way that I do. Um, and I just love having an open dialogue about these heavier topics. It really helps us understand one another in a deeper way and in turn, love one another with a stronger passion, which is what God calls us to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. The women in our church actually um, were under attack for a couple weeks recently. It was so obvious. We just all seemed to be like under oppression. Yeah. And anxiety was one of our attackers. Uh, and it was just so beautiful, actually, and empowering to bond together as women with the power of Jesus on our side and to share our struggles with each other. And then finding out that we were all under attack together. Um, when you don't share your burdens with one another, we isolate ourselves and it really feels lonely. And I've experienced this in, um, in my life. And it's just so beautiful to have a tribe of people. For me, a tribe of women who I can be like, Hey, for some reason I have really intense anxiety today. Mm. And her be like, Oh my goodness, me too. Like what is going Mm. on? And then we bond together and we fight it and we go to God and it's just, it's really an amazing experience. Isn't that so true though, with a lot of times anxiety manifests itself and just blows up when we're isolated Yeah, and Mm. when we're not encircled with other people who love us. Like, and I mean, that's one of the best antidotes right there. Right. It's, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being able to talk it out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Really makes a difference. Um, yeah, I did. I just experienced such beauty during this oppression and I found a deeper understanding of why God calls us to fight for unity and share our burdens with one another. And it's okay that I experienced anxiety on a regular basis. 
Um, I get frustrated sometimes when I see shame and guilt being spoken over people for struggling. It's kind of what Jeremy was just saying that like the anxiety itself, like those waves that just kind of come over you and you feel anxious. Sometimes you don't even know why that there's nothing wrong with that. But when I let that dictate how I behave, Mm -hmm. that's when there's a problem. And that's when, you know, turning to God is really the solution Um, when we speak shame and guilt over people just for experiencing something, God says that in this life, we'll experience trouble. Mm. We will experience struggle. And the next part of the verse is not shame on you or how dare you struggle. You must not love God. No, (laughs) the next part of that verse says, take heart, be Mm. encouraged, see hope, because I have overcome the world, God says. And how often do we treat one another with condemnation and shaming language for struggles like anxiety and depression and addiction? And the list is giant. And I, I see all too often believers speaking shame over people for struggling. And that's just not what God intended for his people. No. It's not what Jesus came to teach. He came to teach hope freedom to get up and leave the darkness behind freedom to walk out of the jail cell of anxiety without cleaning up first Mm -hmm. and just following being still listening. Um, I love the lyrics to the song uh, by Bethel music called defender. Do you guys know that one? I don't think I've ever heard it. I don't know if I know that one. The lyrics. Yeah. The lyrics say this, you go before I knew that you, that you've even gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemy. You come back and you call it my victory. You go before I know you've even gone to win my war. Your love becomes my greatest defense, leads me from the dry wilderness. And all I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. Alleluia, you have saved me. It's so much better your way. And I just love those lyrics. So often when I'm struggling with anxiety, that song pops in my head. And it's just like, you go before I even knew that you went to win this. And then you mm-hmm. call it mine, like my victory. <laughs> it's And all I have to do is just be still to praise, to worship, to focus on God. And um, I just, those lyrics are just, that's, they're, yeah, they're, that's they're great. great. They're oh, spot on. I, I love that truth. And it's a truth that I, I used to encourage people a lot that, you know, whatever problems are are coming, you know, God is already there, you know, just because we're yeah. not there yet. God is already there. Like yeah. he already has a plan. He already has a purpose. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that love that God has chosen to be before us. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, is is a great truth to cast out fear. It so is. true. And that reminds me of even just the passage we saw this week as a church in Ephesians where. Paul was basically saying to them, hey, I'm, I'm ready to pray for you, but take heart, take courage. I'm okay. It was like, yeah. don't cry. I'm good. And it was it was all a part of like, look, m- what has happened to me is part of your story. Like this is actually taking place for your glory. Yeah. So like in the midst of that really heavy time, that season of life, Paul's in jail, he has the ability to, to look at the grace of God and be like, it's okay what's happening right now. You don't need to worry about me. Yeah. Because he he pointed to God mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Same and thing. so often I ask God, like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And so often I just hear the answer, just be still and know 
Hmm. that I'm God. Just be still. I don't want anything from you. Just be still. Quiet the voices. Quiet the chaos of your mind. And every time that I do that, I just feel the peace of God come flooding in like sunlight. It's really amazing. Yeah. And um, God sent me this really beautiful gift a few years ago. Um, I think of this so often when anxiety and chaos creep in. I was in Colorado and uh, I was sitting, I was just getting quiet, got away. Um, I was sitting in a field overlooking this gorgeous mountain range in the Rockies. Oh. I mean, the Rockies are just beautiful oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was sitting there and I was talking um, to God, just kind of asking him questions and just kind of asking for him to speak to me or show me something or um, just make himself known. All of a sudden, this beautiful mountain bluebird that was just like this intense, bright blue hmm. came flying in front of my face. And I mean, I could have reached out and touched it. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it felt magical. Um, and it came and it flew in front of my face and then it disappeared um, to my left. And my initial response was, well, where'd it go? Like I'm looking for it and I can't find it and I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> and all of a sudden I just got these, this flood of words and this will stick with me forever. God said to me, life will come and go and it's beautiful with the intent of like, mm. let it go. Let it be what it is. Life mm. comes and goes. It passes you. Life will come and go and it's beautiful and I am in control, and that's beautiful. Amen. And that is what, those are the words that he speaks over me constantly. Anytime that anxiety comes, mm -hmm. I'm in control. I've got this. Like, I've got you. Yeah. Um, I make everything beautiful, he says. And living in the light of that truth helps calm me when anxiety hits. Um, breathing, meditating, allow allowing myself to... Just be quiet enough to hear the spirit guiding me. And these are all the ways that I'm able to combat anxiety. As a child of God, I have an inheritance of peace that God's just waiting to pour into me in these anxious moments. And there's a reason that God gives new mercies every day yes. because our struggles are daily. <laughs> but he never runs out of mercy. He never runs out of love. He never runs out of peace, no matter how much he pours out on us. Yes. Um, yeah. There's an overflow right there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your that perspective on it. Like it just it clarifies a lot for me and helps me understand the other side of it. So just seeing God's glory even in in that yeah in that mm. realm of life. Yeah, and as you were talking about the bird flying by, it's such a good illustration of how a lot of times in life we can have a good season. Like we enjoyed something. It was great. It happened. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it didn't last forever. God shut the door. Yeah. And then we still look back at that. Like, I still want that here. It's yeah. like, and then it's like, we're let the good thing that's now gone, not really enjoy the, the greatness and the goodness about it, but just kind of like hold on to that to the point that that becomes something it's making us anxious yeah, and it's anxiety. Absolutely. And I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine just recently who's dealing with that exact same thing. Mm. They're looking back to a, a part of their life where they had something really going well. It was a highlight, something they could really put their hat on. And then it was just over. 
like in the blink of an eye. And it's been a couple years now, but they're still like almost just holding on to that. And I, I use the illustration as we were talking through it together. Like it's like God shut that door, but you're still trying to just peek underneath the crack of the door yeah. to like, look at what was back there. What am, am mm. I missing out on it? And it's really like, God shut the door. Yeah, he has sense. a whole future for yeah. you. And you know what? Because that door was shut, this happened and this happened and this happened that would have never happened had you still been at that place in life. So yeah. take the great part of it. Don't try to peek under the crack of that door. Yeah. Well, you can't and, move forward when you're focused yeah. on what was behind you. Even yeah. Scott and I have this conversation sometimes about like, well, if we could just get back to a similar scenario as where we were, you know, year three of our marriage. <laughs> and like so often we have to like, pause and be like, well, we're different people now. Like we've Mm -hmm. grown and changed and we're in a different life situation Mm -hmm. and looking back does no good. Mm -hmm. We have to create a new better now. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that the Bible really only tells us one thing to do as far as remembering and looking back. The only thing we really should remember and look back on is where we would be without Christ. Mm -hmm. Like what was your life like without Jesus? Remember Mm -hmm. that be grateful for his grace and that's going to inspire you to like actually live, live forward thinking for yeah. his glory. That's yeah. right. Like literally every other aspect is looking forward or looking up. Like, yeah. This, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, a year ago I preached through the book of Philippians. It was the first series we had as a church. One of those sermons was from Philippians four verses two through nine. And I actually called that sermon waging war on anxiety I just went and looked back at that at that sermon and I really saw Paul confronts anxiety and stress. He confronts it head on in that mm-hmm. passage. And the the big takeaway I saw from it was the God of peace is bigger than the problem mm-hmm. that is stealing your peace. That's like amazing. that's really the the end of the story right there. Like nothing you're dealing with is greater or bigger or stronger than our God. And in that passage, we don't just see like a solution to cope with stress. We don't uh, get a list of suggestions to help us survive when anxiety hits. Like mm-hmm. it actually like says, no, you take the lead. You have some action. These are the things that you can do to just turn that on its head and completely flip this the script. It's not mm-hmm. reactionary. We don't have to be reactionary as Christians. Mm-hmm. Like we can take charge here. So I'll read Philippians 4, 2 through 7. And then I just have four action points, really, like quick, quick hitters that, that I think will be helpful. So Paul says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing that we see here is relational anxiety. There's there's relational disharmony 
between these two women. And I mean, we've all faced relational <laughs> disharmony, right? Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can't live without it. It happens. Someone says something, it upsets you. But Yodia and Syntyche are in a fight. There's division. Question though, do you think these women were like leaders in the church? Like just a quick yes or no. Like, does it sound like they're leaders? It does not sound like it. No. Does it, you don't think it does sound like it? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like okay. it. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Anna? Um, I feel like women didn't really have the status back then to be in leadership roles. They yeah. didn't have the education. True. They didn't have yeah. the, the, um, cultural status to be in a leadership, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. If you think about the whole history of what's going on in the church of Philippi, it was started primarily through like a couple people, the Philippian jailer, the mm -hmm. possessed girl. Um, and Lydia, who I always joked around, it's like the Vera Wang of the New Testament. Like she was the <laughs> seller of purple, like this, this rich businesswoman who came to Christ. And so when he says, Yudia and Syneke, these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, it sounds like these two ladies actually have some pretty good status in the church. Like hmm. they've labored side by side with Paul, with Clement. So pretty well thought of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, most likely if he's saying this to the whole church and I mean, he says that about them that they've labored side by side. I mean, they're probably, they're probably well respected. These, this isn't just like some little calf fight on the side. Like, no, these are ladies who have been there with Paul, maybe even with Lydia from the very beginning. So, mm -hmm. That's one that's one thing, all right? There can be there can be disharmony even amongst solid people who've been in the church for years. Next question though, like do we even know what this fight was about? Did did you catch that? I know I just read it once to you, putting you on the spot here, but oh, did man. you catch what it was? Like in the Lord that they be of the same mind so that they agree on something. Yeah, that's how he he kind of wrapped it up, but he literally doesn't say what the fight is about yeah. at all. Okay. So it was so, a trick question. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. You know, he doesn't even dignify their dispute with each, even like this casual agree to disagree agreeably. No, he's not saying like you have a point and you have a point. He doesn't even go there is all he says is wait, there's disharmony. There's actually like a lack of unity here. You have to relational problems, anxiety wise, mm -hmm. Ladies, like, let's just agree in the Lord. Remember, your names are in the Lamb's book of life. You're both believers in Jesus. We can't let something like this phase us from being unified. Mm -hmm. And if it was a big doctrinal issue, I believe Paul would have said something. You know what I mean? Like Paul's yeah. not the type of person who's going to back away if there's like doctrine at stake. So this was probably something that was literally a relational anxiety kind of point of view. And Paul's first point is, look, strive for unity. So that's mm -hmm. like the first thing I think when, we, when we're talking about anxiety in our own relationships, if we just take the action point of I'm going to strive for unity, I'm not going to let this hold me back from actually loving this person, agreeing with this person, enjoying this person, that will really help. So striving for unity is the first one. Agree in the Lord. The second way to fight anxiety is there's just four and five, and that's rejoice in the Lord. Um, he says there, rejoice again, I say rejoice. And I think this is helpful for us, for us practically as we're dealing with anxiety. In every circumstance, there's two ways that you can look at it. You can either complain 
and you can look at all the negatives or you can choose to rejoice and say, I don't understand what's going on, but God is good. And that's where you go back to that faith and that trust. Like God must be doing something here. Um, let your reasonables be known to, to everyone. It's like in these kind of anxiety situations, don't just dig in and like dwell in the negative. Put yourself in another person's shoes and try to think about it from their perspective and be reasonable. And I think that's an action way that we can actually work through anxiety. Number three, a third way that you can find this peace and really wage war on anxiety is to pray with thanksgiving. And, and that's really the next part of this passage. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we know good and well, not everything is easy. Like mm-hmm. not every situation is even something like with Yodia and Syntyche, where you can just move on and have a difference of opinion and, and not let it become a big deal. Like some things are a really, really big deal. And we all know what those things feel like. A injury, job loss, death. I mean, there is trouble in this world. And Paul does give us that antidote there. It is go to him in prayer with thanksgiving. So the things that we can't solve, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. That's the only way to get through it is to literally run to God. And then the final thing that I see here is actually in the next couple verses. It's verses eight and nine. And that's just meditate on truth. And I'll read there eight and nine. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So this is where the war really does rage. It's in our minds. If you want to overflow with peace, if you want to pray with thanksgiving, if you want to rejoice in the Lord, if you want to strive for unity, it all starts with your thoughts. Meditating on what is lovely, what is pure, it's that simple. If you focus on how you've been wronged, it's going to be really hard. But when you focus on the truth, we live in a fallen world, we're always going to be wronged, we're going to be dealing with things no matter what. That's how you actually have to say, I'm going to look to God and I'm going to get through it with him. And I, I was thinking of it in this way as well. Like you can pay personal trainers to work out. You know, I'm sure there's, there's people in our church who work out a lot and, and, and some people even do this. It's like, I pay a personal trainer, mm-hmm. I do all this work, but if at the same time you're just secretly stashing away um, little Debbie's in your, in your desk, in your cubicle and stuffing your face with those donuts, it's not going to do any good, no matter how, how, how hard you work out. And I think that's the way our thoughts are. Like, I mean, we can say the right things. We can read the Bible. We can, we can go to church. I mean, we can do all those things, but if we're still dwelling in our minds on the negatives and just focusing on all the ways that this person wronged me and all the things that I don't understand and I don't know, in our minds, it's going to be a big problem. And one practical one here is let truth cast down the arguments in your head. So don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. I mean, because when you're just listening to yourself go on and on and on, you're not moving forward. 
But if you can actually talk to yourself and say, no, this is not accurate. This is like an emotional response that doesn't line up with truth. And I'm in, and you can actually just speak truth into that situation. It's going to help in a big way. You know, I've never heard it put in that way before. Cause I listen to myself all the time and <laughs> yeah. I'm constantly causing myself a lot of issues <laughs> uh, rather than, you know, having that convert like that inner dialogue instead of monologue, you know, like, yeah. Talk through it and, you know, bring the spirit into the conversation. You're seeking answers and seeking guidance and all of that. I, I think I think sometimes we we tend to study scripture when it only really pertains to what we struggle with. So, mm. you know, in aspects of, you know, of these struggles that, that they were dealing with and, you know, other people with anxiety deal with, I, I think those people like me, we tend to kind of brush through these things, but Mm -hmm. I just want to, I'm challenging myself and others as well to, to focus in and really, really listen because, you know, we are surrounded by those who struggle with things that we don't. Right. Uh, And as a church, we are called to bear each other's burdens Mm -hmm. and we can't bear another person's burdens if we're pushing it away. Yeah. Uh, So I I think this right here. Like, that's why I wasn't really talking while you guys were talking. Cause just really just wanted to listen and know like practically how I can walk alongside someone mm-hmm. uh, who is dealing with anxiety, whatever it might look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I liked your point about um, listening to truth, focusing on what is true as mm-hmm. well. I read, somewhere and I can't remember what book it was, but, um, it was a while back, but it talks about how, um, the internal dialogue that we have, if we separated that and put a body to that, Mm. um, and had called that person a friend, (laughs) um, and let that person talk to us the way that our internal voice talks to us, Mm. like we would never put up with that from another human being. We're so that internal voice can be so, damaging. Um, and that's because it's not speaking truth. Yeah. And so being able to quiet that internal dialogue so that you can hear the spirit of God, because he's waiting to talk to you. But if you're just letting that internal voice go nuts, yeah, it's he, you're not going to give him the room to be able to pour that peace into Mm. you. Exactly. I like that. That's a great concept. And I was even thinking of it in a slightly different angle, but it's really the same way, same thing. And that is like, if you have a coach, you know, there's really two different types of coaches out there. There's some coaches that'll just yell at you to get the job done. And there's other coaches that encourage you and build you up. I'm pretty sure the degrading style of coaching is not as in vogue as it used to be like in the nineties when I was like playing sports. Yeah, not so much. Like it's definitely not as much anymore. I mean, did y'all ever have like... Oh, I, like I had coaches, coaches like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they just get in trouble from the parents now. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, get away with that in anyway. high school, I had a coach who literally called timeout and he would just go yell at the referees. And then, and then he would just like yell at us for a minute at the very end. Right. And after the referee just said, go, go back to your bench. But anyway, a degrader or an encourager, we wouldn't really listen to a, somebody who's degrading us, a coach yeah. like that. We would tune that out. We want to hear a coach that's going to uplift us. Mm -hmm. and explain the positives, work through the negatives, 
That's what we have to do in our mind. As we have that internal dialogue, don't just listen to all of the drowning on and on of the negatives, but to literally say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to speak back what is true here. So, yeah. And that's why scripture says our hearts are deceitful because Mm -hmm. our, our leaning is toward lies because we were born into a sinful world, into a sinful state that it is only the truth of Christ. You know, through the working of the Holy Spirit and and His Word, that you know we can find peace and rest. Mm-hmm. Anything else, even ourselves, mm-hmm. are gonna are gonna speak lies, even in even with good intention. Mm-hmm. If it's not Christ, it's not truth. So I think we have to remember that that you you can only encourage yourself and get yourself so far, uh, but in the end, you still fall short of what God is able to do. Yeah. Um, in you. Absolutely. So it was just to, to review, it was strive for unity, rejoice in the Lord, pray with thanksgiving and meditate on truth. And, it, and this is like really cool. If you catch this, it's really hard to strive for unity if you aren't rejoicing in the Lord. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Makes sense. And then it's also at the same time, highly unlikely that you're going to rejoice in the Lord if you aren't praying with thanksgiving. And then it's basically impossible to pray with thanksgiving if you aren't meditating on the truth. Mm-hmm. So all of these, they all work together in harmony. They're all connected and they all build off of each other. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's hopefully helpful. It was helpful for me. Oh, me too, for sure. Well, this has been such a good conversation. Next week, we are going to have Becca and Brian, and we're going to be talking about singleness yeah yeah (laughs) please share we're really thankful that you listen like it's it's really cool that you take the time to listen to us and that we can speak into your lives a little bit with the truth so find us if you haven't already on instagram our page is doxa underscore dialogue and you can see some behind the scenes stuff we have a question of the week each week this week, I think our question is going to be pretty simple. How do you work through anxiety in your own life? We'd love to hear some practical tips and some feedback from you on that. Thank you for listening. You are loved. <laughs> <laughs>